Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Recognise that they're real, but we can't let our emotions control us. We have to get ourselves into a place where we can control our emotions. Right? Does that make sense? If we let our emotions control us, When we end up in a situation of trauma or conflict or disappointment, we're either going to fight or flight. And that's not particularly helpful because we have to learn to deal with stuff. Now, in the room, we've got young people are saying, oh, yeah, this is all I've got a pretty good life. Like my son lives at home, doesn't pay any board, doesn't do any jobs. Life is fantastic. (laughs) And then there's people on the other end of the spectrum who have done a lot of life and who have a story to tell about heartache and disappointment and dreams unfulfilled and hopes that weren't missed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is all of us have or will deal with disappointment and challenge. And in fact, when you become a Christian, it's a wonderful thing, right? You think, I'm going to walk with God. Life is going to be absolutely fantastic and no challenges at all. Guess what? God doesn't promise you that. In fact, in John 16:33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And he declares right here, in this world you will have trouble. It's a heartening scripture. But then he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. So some of us have got to hold on to that scripture. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When you're going through something, sometimes you don't feel like saying this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it because it is hard. It is rubbish. But the reality is, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes we've got to sing that worship song that Tim and the team uh, sang this morning, where it says, I am who you say I am. You know, and raising teenage girls, I can tell you, watching, or raising children, watching your children trying to find their place in their community. I don't know how many times I prayed outside their room and said, Lord, my heart's desire is that person X would see you the way, see themselves the way you see them. Amen. My heart's desire is that this person will see you the way you see them. And we're going to try and deal with some of that this morning too. Is that okay? He created us in, in, in his image, excuse me, to live, to love, to find our individual meaning, to honor him. To know that we will be challenged, shaken, and in fact exhausted by the weight of the world is going to happen. But we will never, ever, ever be alone. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Then if we bounce ahead to 43 verse 5, it says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Amen. Amen. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Now, some of you will be sitting there going, Yeah, he's just oversimplifying this stuff. He doesn't have a clue what's going on in my world and the challenges that I'm facing. And you're right, I don't. But I don't have to. He does. Amen. 
but his promises are yes and amen. And if we believe that God sent his son to die on the cross and in doing so, the debt has been repaid, then we have to believe the scriptures where he says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you, and that you are not alone. Amen? So if we start to doubt the, oh, I don't think God is with me. And in fact, in some circumstances, and we'll show some in a minute, it's very easy to even get angry with God. And if we're all honest, we've all done that on occasion, right? There's been circumstances in our life where we've gone, God, where the heck are you in this situation? This is just too hard. But his promises are yes and amen. What I want to do is try and dive into some of these challenges in a minute. And I'm going to put up here 10 of the most common life problems that the International Psychological Association have identified as being problems that we're all going to deal with in our life. And to save time, I didn't want to sit here and write them up because I write like a doctor writing a prescription. So I did this. So I did this before. And you can tell I'm no school teacher. But when you look at this, some of you will identify immediately with some of these things. Sadly, some of you will identify with several of these things, and there'll be some of you that identify with a majority of these things as being hard. As being hard. We've got health crisis. I mean, there's the reality is, two years ago when COVID struck, right, hardly any of us knew anybody who had COVID. Think about now. Most of us have probably had it. If not, we've now got this RSV, this thing where you can't stop coughing and carrying on. (coughs) Um, (laughs) Or you've got a cold or you've got a flu. But all of us at the moment are touched by some form of illness, right? But I'm talking about health crisis, not just only cold and COVID, but people who have got genuine health and ongoing sustained health conditions. Friendship issues. We've all had, or some of us have got friendship issues. Amen. And they are hard because you know what they do? They make you question your sense of self. Financial crisis, emptiness, career pressure, inner peace, mental health, workplace issues, failure, unfair treatment. The challenge is the enemy wants to keep us here. sitting amongst all this stuff. The other reality is, God has promised us that we won't be without this stuff, but he says, I will never leave you, nor I will never forsake you, and I am with you. Amen. And he is calling you out of this. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you're in this stuff, suck it up, princess, and get on with it. That's not what I'm saying, because this is real. And we are human beings who are emotional, right? We deal with this. So the first healthy step is you've got to acknowledge what's going on. So there's a level of self-awareness that we need to have that says, you know what? Yes, I've had some unfair treatment or someone has caused some offense or, you know, yes, I've got some health issues. But first, I'm not going to let it define who I am because the price has been paid. And I am who you say I am. So the challenge is we don't want to do that. You also want to recognize that, yes, we're emotional beings, and it's okay to not be okay. It's okay. It's not a sign of weakness when you sit there and say, you know what, I am really struggling. This is tough. I need some help. To the point where you may need some professional assistance to journey some of this stuff. 
that is okay. That takes strength. That takes courage. But you've got to recognize it first, right? But whilst the enemy wants to keep us here, God's calling us out over here. He said, you're going to have to walk through this valley, right? But who knows you can't have a valley without a mountain range. You can't have a valley or you can't have a mountain. Sorry, it's the other way around. You can't have a mountain range without a valley. And, and often we've got to walk through the valleys to get to the mountaintop moments in our life. And you know where your growth and your maturation comes from? It's in the valley. It's not in the mountaintop. Mountaintop moments are great. Who loves them? Weddings, new babies, new jobs, first relationship. Who remembers their first relationship? Oh, my life. You want to spend every waking moment with that person. It is beautiful. Flip the coin. Who also remembers when that first relationship fell apart? Oh, my life. The world is coming to an end. Oh, my goodness. Such and such doesn't love me anymore. She was 17. I thought we were going to get married. I was 17 too, by the way. I just realized that... <laughs> just before some of you all call the police and I get escorted out of the building. But, um, you know, who remembers the joy and the euphoria of their first relationship? I'm sure you also remember the disappointment when that whole thing fell apart. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough gig. So you've got to acknowledge that. You've got to acknowledge that that's not nice. But God's calling us out of it. And he's saying, not only am I with you, but there's Christians who can also rally around you. That's the role we have to play. But until we're in a place where we're comfortable with who we are, the enemy will keep us sitting here because you can't be effective in journeying people. Or you can be, sorry, but less effective in journeying people through this stuff if you're stuck here yourself. Right? How do you do that? How do you get through that stuff? I want to talk about two keys today. There's things we can do to prepare for these events in our life. And I want to talk about, so that the point one I want to talk about is being aware and being prepared. So being aware is that recognition, that self-awareness that, look, I'm not quite feeling quite right. When your car's broken down, what do you do with it? You take it to the garage. If you cut yourself badly, you go to the GP. If you're not feeling well mentally or that then there's no harm in going to talk to someone about it. A trusted friend, a trusted advisor, a counsellor, a psychologist even. That takes courage. But see, I said the word trusted. Don't be one of those people that meets someone for the first time and says, hi, my name's Jared. I went to Alcoholics Anonymous for three years. Share with trusted, by the way, I didn't, but just share with... Share with people, and it wouldn't matter if I had, amen? But just share with people that you trust. But get people alongside you, because you know what? When you start putting people alongside you, when you're sitting here, they lift you up. They lift, Slowly but surely you'll stand, and then they'll walk you out of this, amen? But we have to be aware, and we have to be prepared. How do we get prepared? We develop a muscle that's called resilience, And we've all heard about this word resilience. And resilience refers to an individual's capability to recover from or overcome hardship. 
The American Psychological Association defines resilience this way. It's the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress, such as family and relationship problems, serious health problems, workplace or financial stressors. Here's our menu here. Take your pick. And it means bouncing back from difficult experiences. But I prefer to reframe that a little bit and say, I just don't want to bounce back. I want to bounce forward. Amen? I want to use these experiences, these valley moments, to grow. Now, what does the Bible say about resilience? It's fine that I'm sitting up here rabbiting on about it. I want you to go to James 1, and we're going to look at verse 2 through to 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Care? What's he talking about? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face these trials. Oh, God, you better have something good coming here. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. And not only am I not going to pull you out of this until you're ready, but I will keep you here for as long as I think you need to mature and grow from it. We grow in the valleys. There's a mountain waiting for us, but this is where stuff really happens. As hard as it is, this is where we grow and mature. Amen? And I'm going to talk about reframing some of this stuff in a minute. Let's bounce forward to verse 12. So we know we've got to consider it pure joy. We know that perseverance is going to finish its work. We're going to be mature and complete. For some of us, this maturity thing is going to take a long time. (laughs) 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Wow, is this making some sense? It's hard to get your head around, right? It's hard to get your... And some of you will be deep in some of this right now. Right now. And you'll be listening to this going, yeah, it's fine. for." Clearly, he seems to think he has it all together. He's making a few corny dad jokes and blah, 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 blah. Believe me, I've experienced some of this, if not all of it, at one stage in my life as well. And I'm talking as much to myself today. And that's got to be your self-talk. You know that small voice in your head that rises up when you're facing difficulty and says, hey, Jared, how are you all going to deal with this? The best thing you can do is stop and breathe. Take time because that fight or flight instinct may kick in. And you've got to stop and breathe and think about your response, not your reaction. You want to respond, not react. Because reaction comes from an overwhelming place of emotion. Amen? Proverbs 24, 16. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Some of you are thinking, you're adding up all your disappointments, going, okay, I've done my seven, I'm good. But though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. So God promises us he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. He says to us, consider it pure joy when you're going here. He says, I'm going to leave you here till you grow and mature. And then he says, you are blessed if you can persevere under trial. Let me give you some practical tips to work 
or think about how do you grow your resilience. And a very good friend of mine is an organisational psychologist, and we've had him come into the workplace, a couple of workplaces that I've worked in, and do some workshops with our team around resilience. And we've framed it about resilience in the workplace, because who knows, it can be a stressful environment in the workplace, right? And he, he, he has a level of faith, but he talks about what he calls the resilience factors, things to think about to make you more resilient. Do you want to know what the first thing he says is you've got to have right to be resilient? Spiritual. He's a non-Christian, and when he stands up and delivers these talks through communities, and he's been into bushfire communities and all over the place talking about recovery and communities coming back together, the first thing he talks about is spirituality and a connection with something that's bigger than yourself. The next thing he talks about is medical making sure your health is your most important asset. Now, some of us go to the doctor regularly. Some of us don't go at all. Let me encourage you, the older you get, you should have an intimate relationship with your GP. That came out really wrong. But I'm... <laughs> What I mean by intimate is you should know him really well, okay? That's enough. All the left side of the auditorium is giggling like I just made some inappropriate toilet joke. But, but no, you want to know your GP. It wasn't until I turned about 45, I started to go to my doctor regularly, every year. Blood tests, and I have a family history of cardiac issues. My mum died of a heart attack at 62. Her father died of a heart attack at 53. His father died of a heart attack at 48. Of course, they want to keep an eye on the cardiac issues. My brother has a small hole in his heart. He's okay, but I have to go and have all these tests to make sure that my ticker is okay. Now, thank you, Jesus. It's all tickety-boo. He told me I drink too much coffee and carry a little bit too much weight, to which I told him I need to find a new cardiologist. My coping mechanism is humour. But you want to have your health in good check. Let me talk specifically to the blokes in the room. And I'm not trying to pigeonhole anyone, so I don't want anyone getting all upset that I'm making this about boys versus girls. But the reality is men are less likely to go and see the doctor when something is wrong than women. Men, get to the doctor. If you're feeling unwell, prioritise your health. You cannot pour from an empty vessel. You cannot and you're called to play a role in your house, in your workplace, in your life, and if you're not well, then you're going to struggle to do that. So folks, number one, spiritual. Number two, medical. Number three, connectivity. And I'm not talking about the Wi-Fi plan you have. I'm talking about the relationships you have. Healthy relationships. Relationships not without conflict, but relationships that help you grow relationships that sow into your life, be it family, be it workplace, be it social, be it community. I want you to think about the health of the relationships that you have. Now, if you've got some relationships that aren't going well, I don't want you all looking out the window. The first thing you need to do is look in the mirror. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. That's all just too hard. Amen. Think about the health of your relationships and connectivity. The fourth one, you still with me? This is where it gets really interesting. I'm very uncomfortable with the fourth one. Physical. Kind of related to health, but how physical are you? Let me ask you another question. How well do you sleep? The first thing 
that generally indicates something that's not quite right is how well you don't sleep. So just monitor your sleeping. How well do you sleep? What does your exercise plan look like? Because exercise increases brain activity. The last one here is mental. And it's about your brain. The brain is not a static, gelatinous thing that just sits inside your head. It needs to be challenged, as well as the physical muscles in your body. So what are the things that you do to increase your mental agility? So we can prepare for these events that are going to come our way. Number one, spiritual. Number two, medical. Number three, connectivity. Number four, physical. And then the last one being mental. If we want to know a great example of resilience in the Bible, we only need to look at (laughs) Jesus' life and others in Scripture. So I love it when people start laughing because they're going, yep, I'm good there, I'm good there. Oh, not so good there. Um, You can look at Jesus' life in the Bible. Jesus endured the scorn and suffering of the cross. He endured opposition from sinners, yet he continued to fulfill his calling. Other resilience examples in Scripture include Joseph, who continued doing God's will even when he was thrown in prison, Esther, who spoke up for the Jews even when it put her own life in danger, and Daniel, who prayed openly in defiance of the king's laws. So number one, be prepared, be aware. We be prepared by thinking about our resilience. Number two, whatever you do, When we're going through life, so we're prepared, we're aware, we're going through life. Wheels on the bus go round. We get here. We do not want to spend 40 years in this desert. Don't stop. You stay here, you will a trophy away. A trophy meaning will just wither like a plant that doesn't get watered and fed. This is not what God's plan and purpose is for your life. All the people who are gardeners are thinking, oh, he's talking about gardening now. (laughs) I'm not a gardener. My plants all a trophy away and die. But this is where the enemy wants to keep you. Amen? He consistently looks for ways to plant doubts and lies. You only need to look at Genesis 3, where he appeared as the serpent in the garden. What did he do? Says to Eve, said you couldn't eat from that tree. Look how good that tree looks. Go and eat from that tree, no problem. What do you mean God said you... What did he plant? Doubts and lies. For some of you, for some of us, the enemy has planted so many doubts and lies in our head, we don't even know which direction we're heading in. My heart's desire from today is you get a revelation of who God is in your life, but more importantly, you identify what's in your life that is not of God. Amen? Because it's the stuff that's not of God that sticks and keeps us from the plan and purpose, which is just over here. So the other thing is don't get, stop, don't get stuck. Don't stop here. Again, I'm not saying suck it up, princess, move it on. What I'm saying is be aware, acknowledge how you feel, recognize the emotion, but you to take control of the emotion, not the emotion to take control of you, and keep moving. Because, again, come back to the verses. What did we say in this song this morning? I am who you say I am. I am not who this says I am. I am who you say I am. Amen? Come on. 
And number three, sometimes we need to change our lens and get a new perspective. In the Collins Dictionary, the definition of perspective is a particular way of thinking about something, especially one that is influenced by your beliefs or expectations. And I don't know if you've all seen that meme, but there's two people standing the opposite side of a white line. Of a line, it doesn't matter if it's white. (laughs) What? So one's standing here, and he's saying, wow, isn't this a magnificent one? And this person's standing here saying, that doesn't look like a one, that's an L. No, 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 that's a one. No, 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 that's an L. Now I'm getting physical. Oh, that's too much, I might stop that. (laughs) But that's perspective, right? Two people can look at the same thing and see it the same way, but see two completely different things. Some of you in this room are very, very good photographers. When a photographer can't change a scene, what does a photographer do? He'll change the angle. He'll change the lens. He'll change the perspective, the way he looks at it. You can take a particular scene that doesn't look so cool and make it look magnificent by using a different filter, a different angle, a different lens. What is that? All it is is perspective. Same content matter, different perspective. So I believe God's calling us to also keep a healthy perspective about some of this stuff. You're not going to stay in the valley forever. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Focus on that. Journey this stuff. Understand he's with you, but focus on the other side. Focus on the mountaintop. Amen? Who loves the mountaintops? couple of ways to change perspective. Stop comparing yourself to others. Yeah. Embrace change. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't take things for granted. Forgive quickly and forget. This includes to yourself. Don't be afraid to fail and be yourself. It's funny because probably four or five weeks ago when Johnny Kettle was preaching here, God dropped this message into my spirit. And I genuinely believe, myself included, we need to really understand how to journey this stuff because for many of us, we've spent too long here. And I get it, right? It's hard. But God's calling us past this stuff because he's got something mighty he wants to do with you. We're called to be salt and light in the world. How do we do that if we're stuck here? We can still be a good example here, but we've got, at some stage we've got to move past it. Don't be making camp here. This ain't a good place to be. And when this spirit dropped into my message, he also dropped a verse into my message, Romans 12, verse 2. I don't know if you recall last week when Trent was overseeing, he stood up and he quoted Romans 12, verse 2. Wayne stood up and did his message, one of his scriptures, Romans 12, verse 2. So it validated to me today that our church and his people need to hear this message this morning. And it says, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. Put it in another word. By getting a fresh perspective. Amen. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing. So we've talked about the valley moments. We've talked about being aware and being prepared. We've talked about taking enough time here to to be aware and to recognize the emotion and deal with it and not, not staying here. And we've talked about moving past it. 
And hindsight is a wonderful thing. There are two things that really resonate when I think and reflect back on the things in my past. The moments that I've spent here, there's two things that are very clear and apparent to me. When you look back on your life, there are moments when you're in that valley and moments when you're on the mountaintops. But it's very clear to me that growth, learning, development, and maturation doesn't happen here, and it doesn't happen here. It does, but the most places you grow and develop are in the formative experiences of your life. And sadly, most of that's tied to something that's really challenging. How cool is that? I'm not saying we want to go through this stuff, but what, I'm, what God promises us is you will go through this stuff. But what he also promises is I will never leave you nor forsake you, and I will journey this stuff with you, and you will come out the other side a better person because you've persevered. Can, you, can we get hold of that? Can we get hold of that this morning? If you're stuck in one of these situations, change your perspective. Reframe how you're seeing it. Now, I'm not necessarily sure I can probably fully get hold of the consider this pure joy piece. Yippee! But I can hold on to that he will never leave me nor forsake me and he will journey this stuff with us. The second thing that occurs is the other thing when you look back on the situations is I pretty much guarantee you will see God's fingerprint in these moments. If you look back now on situations, and probably I'm driving the online people mad because I keep walking out of the shot. Um, but if you look back on these, li- uh, these moments in your life, you'll see God's fingerprint where he's brought you through or he's brought your family members through or he's got you through those situations. And now what does God's fingerprint look like? In a practical sense, it looks like if you've got through something that you couldn't have got through in your own strength, that is God, my friends. Amen. Now, we've all had things happen in our lives where you look back and go, whew, my Lord, how did I get through that? Well, you didn't on your own. You got through there because it promises so many times in Scripture that you will have to go through this stuff, but he also promises that you will be able to get through it. Amen. Amen. Still with me this morning? A little bit of a heavy topic this morning, but it's really important we can wrestle through this stuff because some of us right now are in a season where we're struggling with some of this, and we'll pray for that at the end. And I want to close on Psalm 34, verse 7. So if the worship team can come up. Psalm 34, 4-7 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Oh, you can get rid of that. Yeah. So again, my heart's desire this morning, church, is we're all going to face this stuff, right? Don't make camp there, no matter how hard it is. And even in the situations where you yourself are questioning, and there's situations which are traumatic. And I'm certainly not seeking to minimize those. But God will pull you through. And when you move past, it's like seasons, right? This winter will pass. And then there'll be autumn or spring or whatever the next blink. And I drive Wendy crazy because I say, what's the season after winter? 
But this season too will pass. And we will get through it. But I want you to keep Jesus at the center. Whatever that looks like for you. Keep Jesus at the center. And he will carry you through it. One, be aware. Be prepared. Work on your resilience. Health, physical, connection, all that stuff. Spirituality. Some of you will be doing a self-assessment now. Okay, good there. Yep, okay, good there. Oh, not so good there. It's not a judgment call. But just do that quick assessment in your mind. Number two, don't stop. Don't get stuck in the mud. And number three, just keep moving forward. That's what God calls us to do. Is that okay? Church, I want to pray right now very quickly because I know we're running a little bit of overtime. But I want to pray quickly for anybody who is deep in some of this stuff right now and doesn't feel like they can see a way out. And I'm not going to ask people to raise their hands or stand up because that's not what it's about because God can see your heart. But I want us as a church to pray for those people right now because they need something that's going to lean down and pull them out of the mud. And I believe God can do that this morning through the message that we've shared. Is that okay? Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together and this message around dealing with disappointment and challenge. Father, this is a tough subject. And Lord, even some of the scriptures we may struggle to get our heads around in the human sense But God, we know that your promises are yes and amen. And Father, right now, I want to pray specifically for people that are well over their head in some of this stuff and feel like (coughs) there's really hope. I listened to this guy speaking, but what is this hope he speaks of? I'm neck deep in this stuff. He doesn't know my story. I don't feel like this can change. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to fall into that person's heart. And Father, I pray for a, a scales to fall from the eyes of people today in the way they see their circumstances. I pray against any attack of the enemy, Father, that's putting doubt in the hearts and minds of people that's keeping them from what you've called them to be. Father, I pray for people in the season that they're at, that the rain will stop falling, that the dark clouds will disappear, that the sun will shine, and they will know that they know that they will know that you love them and that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Father, we pray for that right now. Chains to be broken in this house. Holy Spirit, have your way. And open heaven at Resound Church this morning, Father. For people that are online, if they're sitting in their lounge room right now and they're going, wow, I can really identify with some of that stuff. Wherever they are right now, Holy Spirit, have your way. Hearts be broken. Lives be healed. Chains be broken. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way today in our midst. And everyone said, amen. God bless. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.